0: Well, hey there. Welcome. What's going on? Hey, people. Hello. Hello. This is the Venice Voice. On this episode of the Venice Voice podcast, it will be my great pleasure to bring to you a conversation that I had with my dear friend, Maya Rasic. Maya is a licensed psychotherapist and author of the book, Transformational CPR. We talk about what inspired her to write the book, why she became a therapist in the first place, and what's going on with her today. But before we begin, I just want to remind you that this podcast is for you. So if you'd like to talk about anything, if you'd like to talk about a product that you're working on, or maybe be interviewed, or bring up any topic whatsoever, give me a shout at ron at fennisvoice.com. And now, without further ado, here is Maya Rasik. Your victim. <laughs> You're my victim. Ooh. <laughs> don't tempt me. Don't tempt me, Maya. <laughs> here we are. Maya Rasik. It's, it's pronounced Rasik.
1: Perfectly. Excellent. Yes. Thank, Thank you so much for coming over. Oh. It's so great to see you. Thank you for having me. It's always good to see you.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. I mean, goodness gracious, we've known each other a long time. A long time. Since, I don't know, I don't want to date us or anything, but uh, I think it's since like the mid-90s. Is
1: that right? I would say it probably was.
0: Was it Taming of the Shrew? Taming, of the, Taming Shrew. of the Shrew. in the valley at the Magnolia Theater in the mid-90s. That's right. Back when we were like, what, two or three years old? Yes,
1: something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and it was fun. And it was fun. It was.
0: It was fun, man. And then I do remember very fondly you and I going to the U2 Zoo TV Tour concert together.
1: Oh, wow. Remember that? What a memory. Yes. Yeah, I used to
0: work at the Sunset Marquis Hotel and I got some tickets. The U2 I was remember there. that. You and I went and that was a great show. Oh,
1: my God. bono i'm a big i still am a big fan actually
0: (laughs) me too yeah we've got some history man and then uh, i didn't see you for a while and we both always kind of lived in venice for a long time yeah and Uh how long have you lived here now
1: oh my gosh um 20 years i'd probably say wow yeah and where are you from originally um i grew up in la Uh but not by the beach i grew up inland sunset and doheny up in the hills there oh cool so
0: and parents are still around. They're still around. They're still up
1: there. Married 70 years. Oh my gosh. Still can They actually still like each other.
0: No way. Yes, they do. That's I promise impossible. it is.
1: I know it's a rarity. We all are wondering why <laughs> my mother How? just
0: turned 86 and she doesn't like okay. anybody.
1: Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> How well, nice well, <laughs> She likes you though
0: She likes me Okay yeah. So I think I'm the one person on the list That she actually still can tolerate That's good But even then we have about a three day window Yeah Like I just I just went up there to visit her And it was her birthday this month And it, 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 we've got about a three day window Of okay. tolerance I got you I got For you. one another <laughs>
1: Family's always an interesting uh, dynamic, you to know. To say the least. You going have back lots to visit.
0: Of brothers and I, sisters, nephews and nephews in town, or um, where are they now?
1: Mostly all in LA. We've all stayed pretty close. I'm the youngest of six, and everybody's married with kids. And then now the kids are having kids. So um, a few of them have moved away, but not too far. We still gather on holidays and birthdays. and well, That's nice. It's nice. It's good. We're, we're pretty close. Yeah. We actually like each other. <laughs> I know I say that because it is kind of a rare thing. Most yeah. families are, you know.
0: Well, it's we, there are t- always challenges. Yes. There are always challenges with yes. family. Yes. Yeah, For sure. And there's a lot of my family members that I love. I have a ton of nieces and nephews, mm-hmm. and they've become like brothers and sisters to me because I was an uncle when I was nine wow I have a half brother and half sister they're much older than me as I've mentioned before on this show um but yeah my nieces and nephews have really become like little brothers and sisters to me yeah it's it's kind of fun It's kind of fun and you when we first met you were like an actress I
1: was I got my degree in theater film and television from UCLA so my undergrad is in that and I worked in entertainment uh I don't know how many years not maybe eight so I met you during the sort of acting slash production. I, I, would, I would go on a film and, and do a job so I could come back and then do some theater, because I really love theater. And as you know, we don't get paid in this town for theater. Yeah. For I, the love of theater.
0: Yeah. So you don't really get paid all that well, even if you're a professional <laughs> the, equity actor. Completely. You know, you know, the weekly rate for equity is not necessarily a living wage, to it, say the least, unless you're a big star or on a touring show or something. True yeah and and when did that transition happen so you were in entertainment for a while and and I mean, how would you describe yourself now? What, what, what do you do? I know that there was a major shift that happened in your life. Talk a little yes. bit about that.
1: Um, well, I'm, I've been a licensed psychotherapist since 2003 is when I got my license. But um, I started the process way back, went back to graduate school after being out of school for a long time. Um, and it was a big decision because I didn't really want to give up acting completely, but I was really kind of tired of the industry and I wanted to... I felt a little frustrated. I think it was just before hitting 30. So I'm giving my age away, but, you know, hey. Um,
0: we get to be this age. We get to be. It's, it's I like that. It's a privilege. That's right. Actually an We've honor. earned it. We definitely <laughs> have earned it. We've jumped through some hoops and, and got some scars emotionally and physically. I would um, say. Yeah, and I'm actually, not to change the subject too, too far from what we were talking about, but uh, I've kind of come to embrace the fact that. We I are am the who age, I am the now, age. yeah, exactly. And we get to see what it's like to be this person at this at this, at, time, at this time, this age, for sure, everything. Even though everything's breaking down. No, I am just kidding.
1: <laughs> you know, yeah, part of the journey. It
0: is what it is. So when you were around thirty, so um,
1: yeah, it was I think right around there, late thir- late twenties. Um, I had always loved psychology. My I went to initially to school for psych psychology. And then I ventured off and tried other things and got off on the entertainment industry. But I always had an interest in, um, what should we say, Uh, I hate the word self-help, personal growth. Mm. How's that? So I was always practicing Buddhism and and trying to meditate and practicing yoga. So I was always learning things, trying things. Um, And I think... The frustration in the film industry as an actor was just not having enough control over my own career. I think it's a little easier nowadays with the internet and how we get to have a little more control. But back in those days, um, it was kind of, you were reliant on your agent mostly, um, and it was really impossible to get an agent unless you'd already done something. So it was tough. So I did a lot of theater, which is what I loved. Um, but like I said, you can't really make enough to, for to live on. So um, I was interested in psychology. So I didn't know that I was going to actually use it other than just for my own personal growth again. So going back to school was wonderful. I got to just learn and study and uh, learn a lot about myself and learn about other people. I've always been fascinated why people do what they do
0: um so it was just kind of a natural thing you gravitated towards and so you just was like i'm gonna take a leap of faith and go back to school
1: yeah and like i said i didn't know that i was necessarily leaving the entertainment field at that point but i just knew i was interested and i felt like oh you know this is something i can do that i feel drawn to that i'm interested in studying and i would spend a few years studying and Hence, it became, and you sort uh, of found your path mean career. I really did. I really feel um, I get to still do. I do public speaking, so um, in that way, I get sort of the creative side met uh, more so. Mm-hmm. And going into corporations, and I train their staff, and that's also like another just group. Dynamic that's very.
0: What kind of training do you do?
1: Um, I do stuff around leadership, communication, conflict resolution, um, helping teams, helping managers become better managers. So, learning how to be more of a coach and working with their team and motivation and how to uh, communicate more effectively, how to get through conflict, personalities, differences. So I really like that because, like again, I I feel like I get to bring in quite a bit of creativity. I sort of design my own uh, trainings and get to do a lot of travel that way. Um, And writing is another avenue. I've published several articles. I published a book.
0: So um, yeah, we'll we'll talk about the book. I'm very. I definitely wanna. Talk more about that, but the the corporate communication aspect is something that always interests me as well. You know yeah. I, I also do some work with a software company and I work with corporate communicators okay. across the board. We and, do yeah. design and host online newsrooms and there are a lot of communications initiatives, um, whether it 's them talking to their audiences or internally, and how they craft their messaging okay. and mm-hmm. how they uh, communicate with one another mm-hmm. has always been an ongoing difficulty for some of the people that I've spoken with who are in those organizations right. um, and how they handle all the varying personalities and how to easily uh, manage teams of people mm-hmm. so that they can, you know, be on the same page and, and work in a cooperative way. <laughs> Is that kind of the thing that you address?
1: Similar, similar. Um, I, I think, you know, the last training I did was for the U.S. Army. I was actually brought in to do um, time management, mm-hmm. but it was more specific, um so anyway it's it 's they usually tell me i 'll sit there and speak to someone before I put a training together find out well what's what's the problem what 's going on what are your needs um and then from there, I piecemeal things together that I think will I bring in lots of different sources and videos and come up with creative exercises to put them in groups to try different things to kind of um actually learn something in a different way, sort of more kinesthetically.
0: Um, so you try to get them in their bodies a little bit and get them working with one another, not only in a vocal way, but more interacting physically.
1: Yeah. And especially, um, I do one for team building, which obviously that we get really involved with most of the day is creative, uh, exercises, getting people to work in teams and, um, and, and seeing where the breakdown often happens in teams um and you know leaders naturally sort of uh find the way to the top of of being able to disseminate information and you see other people who are more natural just team players rather than leaders um so it's really interesting to watch the different personalities surface and see how people work together and um where breakdown often can happen um so we you know it's it's pretty fun it's pretty fun stuff
0: that's fascinating the the fact that there are those who just gravitate towards a leadership position is is fascinating and, but yeah. and, and I do a lot of uh, I still do a lot of theater and I've done some directing and I've had to work with bigger teams and I also find it fascinating that there are, like, true leaders and, of course, tr- true just people who are more comfortable just taking direction and following direction, having a nice, clean, easy path to follow. Right. And there are people that can lay out that path and easily describe what we should be doing, mm-hmm, putting people on the mm-hmm. right path. But then there are those rare cases of people who think they're leaders and that yeah. are just not good at right.
1: it. Right. We won't we won't point any fingers, but we know I'm a few of I'm pointing <laughs> a lot
0: of fingers. I'm talking to specific people, and you know who you are.
1: <laughs> we know who you are. We know where you live.
0: Yeah, but those, those are the ones that are these sort of, outliers those wild cards who have I don't know some ego issue Mm. thinking that they should be the ones who Mm -hmm. are in a leadership position Mm -hmm. but oftentimes are not uh, capable of, of mm-hmm. doing that or, or, or communicating properly? Do you find a lot yeah. of that in your training? Um, I do, yeah. I do. Mm-hmm. What's I'm, the best I'm, way to I'm, deal with those well, people? Just to tell them those... that they're stupid? <laughs> uh, just just no, say, no, hey, no. come that's, over here. That's a bad
1: tactic, <laughs> you know. But I'm interested in the outliers because, again, you know, um, I've always been fascinated in studying people, like character analysis and why people do what they do, what their motivations are. Um we're right in there. Thank you. Um, what their motivation is and where, uh, you know, how they learned what they learned and then how it manifests. Um, it's fascinating to me, really. Yeah. So even as an actor, you know, studying your character or other characters. So I guess there that's always There are many, been...
0: many people who are students of the human condition, are easily um, adept at moving into a therapy role. I have... Other people that I've known who are actors that move into sort of a therapy or any kind of uh, um, behavioral science, uh, yeah. just because we're fascinated by the human condition, right. right? I think that we naturally have a way of interpreting and 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 communicating with people on a broad spectrum.
1: I would say that's true.
0: I would hope so. Anyway, yeah. yes, <laughs> people have always fascinated me. That's partially why I wanted to do this, is because I just enjoy having conversations with people and mm-hmm. seeing how they perceive the world. Mm, you know, that's often great. and and like you said. They're, the, groups of people can get the exact same information but perceive them very, very differently. Very differently, Because they're, Correct. they They absorb it through a certain filter or through their own behavior or for what they've learned, where mm-hmm. they come from, a whole host of different factors. Right. Um, but it, it, it's fascinating to me to see how people interact with the world and mm-hmm. with each other,
1: you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I love um, the, the notion of... Different people's perceptions, because I feel like sometimes it's just a willingness to see something differently that allows us to break that, um, to, to bridge that communication gap. You know, oftentimes, like you said, two people can experience the same thing and have totally different viewpoints on it. And nobody's right, wrong, you know, feelings are feelings, but it's like to be able to even just. Be willing to under to have empathy for somebody else's point of view. Sometimes is all that's necessary to have um, more effective communication.
0: Mm-hmm. Empathy is key. Empathy is key, without a doubt. Yeah. You know, and and not and and having kind of an open mind. You and I mm-hmm. sort of briefly touched on this before we started recording. Um, it's it's kind of a volatile time right now. We're listening to this national conversation about some very very important. Issues that are happening, and it's fascinating to watch these conversations. Of course, we're talking about the uh, Supreme Court nomination hearings that just happened, and the the clear divide between (laughs) the people having these conversations is astonishing to watch because the conviction with which they talk about their viewpoint Mm -hmm. is. Undeniable. They, they're right. 100% convinced 100%. that they're right. right. And, and it seems to me like everybody thinks mm-hmm. like they're doing the right
1: thing. It appears that way. It, appears it that do- way. definitely appears that way. And um, both both parties seemed very convincing um, and very um, strongly uh, emphatic about their being 100% either this happened or 100% this didn't happen. But again, you know, I think people are losing sight of what that hearing was about. That hearing was not about whether or not he was going to get convicted for a crime. It was whether or not he is eligible to be a Supreme Court judge, a lifetime position in the highest court, you know, it's... I agree. It's his it, credibility. It, felt, it, it is, felt like a trial. It, it, it should, did. It should it not did.
0: have been. Um, it really, and they reiterated it over and over again on the mm-hmm. Democratic side about how this is just a part of a, a hearing mm-hmm. to establish whether or not this person should be appointed to the Supreme Court. Correct. And it was not an <laughs> indictment on whether or not he was guilty of sexual assault. But any kind mm-hmm. of, it, it's just my opinion, you know, my opinion is any doubt should disqualify him, especially if you have multiple people that are, that are bringing charges. Yeah. In, in any case, th- that's a whole other discussion. whole other topic. <laughs> we won't get off on that. No, could be. We, we could easily talk about it because I have a feeling that we both fall on the same side of that issue. But it does seem like you you can't argue with people's beliefs, mm-hmm. you know, regardless if you're in a political spectrum or not. We can right. talk about religion or we can talk about all mm-hmm. kinds of different things. What, what part of the country you're from, for example, mm-hmm. there are people that are just 100% convinced and believe in their heart mm-hmm. that... Where they are from is the best place. What they believe in is the best ideology. And there is no arguing with mm. that. There's only what I believe, and that is it. And not having any kind of empathy or open-mindedness for where somebody else is coming from mm-hmm. always breaks down communication. All right. So let's, let's try and have a little bit of empathy. I, I do that more and more mm. as I've gotten older. Mm-hmm. I mean, I used to be very, very, you know... Uh, unwavering in, in my ideology. Oh, int- you know? Yeah, interesting. Um, I'm pretty left, you know, and, mm-hmm. I, and I feel like if, for example, uh, with spirituality and religion, mm-hmm. uh, I am not organized religion guy in, by any means, right. but I do see the value in other people's lives. Mm-hmm. If, they, if those who believe in a particular um, secular religion find value in that and it leads them to do good things... Like take care of one another, have a community, mm-hmm. reach out, uh, be generous. Then God, then God bless. God bless. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you're, if, yeah. on the other hand, if you take that <clears throat> ideology and, and go to the extreme, mm-hmm. and it does the opposite, which is persecute people, separate them, push certain groups down, mm-hmm. any anything, or you know, cause people to kill people mm-hmm. <laughs> then that's not good mm-hmm. but it, it's you know, it's i try to be more open-minded nowadays and to see other people's point yeah. because i have friends that are on the other side of the political spectrum i have family members that are on the other side of the I political do too. Spe- I spectrum do too. and so you know we <clears throat> we've attempted to have these conversations and sometimes we've been able to bridge some gaps and mm-hmm. there's far more that we agree on huh, that's good uh, That's good. But there are some things that we just do not strongly disagree on. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, if we could talk about what those mm-hmm. things are. Um, well,
1: yeah, um, one thing is, uh, you know, just with all these um, women coming forward, mm. you know, just even before with the me too movement and am I okay on the microphone? Yeah. yeah, You're good. Uh, good. Um, so what I wanted to say about that is just, uh, you know, in, in dealing with trauma, since I obviously see, quite a bit of that in my practice. Um, Even just people coming in with anxiety, um, which really is a trauma from years and years ago that's been suppressed, you know, and that it's starting to surface. And that's the anxiety feeling is something's there, but they haven't been able to look at it or process it. Um, And it's an interesting thing that happens because I think for all of us, if you've lived long enough, you've had some event in your life that has caused some kind of, um, I mean, when I say trauma, that may sound like a strong word. I mean, if you've never been sexually abused or physically abused, that doesn't mean that you've never experienced trauma. You can experience trauma from falling off your mountain bike right um having a wipeout i know you mountain bike so do i um or uh you know just being cut off on the 405 and um having a, a fender bender or 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 just just nearly missing you know there are little things that can just create these traumas but in the event of that what happens is most people contract in the body most people shut down they close off they tighten they tense Um, And that's the exact moment when we most need to actually have all our faculties, which is to be able to open the body, to breathe, to, you know, CPR, right? Mm -hmm. But it is about um, helping people learn to um, lean into things more rather than contract, if that makes any sense. Because when when we contract, we literally shut off any ability to have access to our own heart, access to our own um, practical mind. What we do is we lash out or we get defensive or we, we never act in our own best interest when we're in that mode of being completely disconnected and split off from our authentic core self. So a lot of the work that I do is, again, it's not specifically working with trauma. It's working with people who come in with anxiety, depression, with couples having marital problems, but it all seems to come down to that space of close off of shutdown, where, where there's no room for movement or growth or possibility.
0: Do you think that that manifests itself? That that kind of close off or shutdown manifests itself from an innate need for us to protect ourselves. It's yes. sort of a flight or fight response, oh, 100%. where we close off, shut down in order mm-hmm. to not feel those feelings, and then that can manifest itself. Those, those that closed off. Uh, action that we take can manifest itself in all kinds of unhealthy ways. Yeah. Um, and and the longer it's not addressed, the harder it is to see in some ways. Sometimes, Sometimes. yeah.
1: But but I, t- I 100% agree with you. I, I like the way you said that. I think it is true. I think when we close off, um, it's a learned sort of reaction to some sort of what we perceive as danger. Um, Even if there really isn't danger, but again, you know, it triggers something from our past um, and we go into that shutdown state. But instead of being shut down, like I said, the only way to actually move through that with any kind of grace is um, to actually get the body moving, is to breathe, is to... um, So do you think it's
0: connected physically? So um, any kind of body work you can do to help connect with this perceived or real trauma that you may have gone Mm -hmm. through in the past you're saying that you can use body techniques to help you access and maybe address those things i think i think that's fascinating yeah
1: i think we use um breath and i think we use movement of the body moving certain segments of the body that actually open what it does is it it doesn't give us anything we don't already have all it does is remove what's blocking us from accessing our highest self
0: so maybe a way to unlock or yeah. to access a hundred percent those yeah. those perceived you can call them traumas, but it just might be a source of anxiety or whatever it is and trauma always sounds worse than it is it sounds like a car accident yeah, but there are different degrees of there are trauma many that's right mm-hmm. many levels of it so th- this is something that I never thought of before because it, it goes back to some of my acting practice there was a great acting teacher that I had that said, if you really want to learn about somebody put your body in that position of what you think that they lived like so if you're if you're a guy who is a farmer and makes rows then you put yourself in that position and you can have better access to what it might be like to be that person Mm -hmm. so i always thought you know i always had this idea and i I learned this from a great acting teacher named mark epstein when i was young who was talking about the fact that we have all thoughts feelings and emotions in our mind author
1: Uh, or is it someone there is a an author who I love, named Mark. Oh, okay, it's I don't not. know if it's the
0: same guy. Oh, I don't know if it's the same guy. Um, I would have to look, uh, but anyway, <clears throat> it, it could be. I think he passed away. I think mm. he's an older. He was an older gentleman when I when I went to from the theater New York, school. though. No, this guy's a San Francisco okay. West Coast okay. guy. It'd be <laughs> interesting if it was the same guy. I know, but anyway, he was talking about how that might uh, putting your body in a position might unlock thoughts feelings Mm -hmm. and emotions within yourself right um and i also thought i also thought Mm -hmm. that you know, he also talked about the fact that we're all connected in ways that we don't fully understand. And it's mm-hmm. possible. It may, It's not proven yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, although there's a lot of evidence to suggest that we've been connected to every human being that's ever lived. Mm-hmm. And so if you put your body in a specific position, whether it's that of a prince or a king, and you mm-hmm. stand with a commanding presence, or if you're a pauper on the ground begging with your hand out, it can release thoughts, feelings, and emotions, yeah. not only within yourself, but <laughs> Of all humans, whatever mm. they have thought. Mm. So thinking th- the fact that you address certain trauma or certain closed off emotions or mm-hmm. certain sp- uh, specific times in your life which may have been painful by using the body and breath, mm-hmm. uh, I think is fascinating yeah. to me. It's like um, using well, that as a tool to address some of those things. Am I on the right track you with You are this?
1: totally on the right track. It's And, I, you know, I've watched hundreds of people. Have amazing breakthroughs. And I mean, the, the, the title of my book, Transformational CPR, the reason I call it that um, is it, it is CPR. CPR is, is a back to a state of consciousness once we've gone unconscious. And so it's just a, you know, spiritual, emotional metaphor for what we would see physically when somebody has an accident and, you know, the ambulance comes and they may have to get revived because they've stopped breathing. And that is what happens is we immediately stop breathing right? Yeah. And we, we go unconscious, and what my meaning of going unconscious is uh, that split-off, shut-down, closed-off state where you have no access to your um, faculties, you know, where you can act on your own beh- in your own best interest, and where you can think clearly and think straight and make informed decisions. And so what happens for a lot of people is when they split off and go unconscious, they often do and say a lot of things they later regret. Or the other way. They wish they had done something differently, um, but they weren't able to. And that that emotional
0: state can be triggered by all kinds of different things, whether it's um, being in an accident Mm -hmm. or or a a high state of emotional stress. So like if you're in an argument with someone or a loved one or something like that, and you get into this rage state where people say that they say... I've heard people describe it as almost being like in an, an awoke in a in a, an awake blackout where yeah. they're just acting insane. And they things. don't remember things later. You're right. right.
1: That is exactly I call it fragmentation. Uh ah. I, I have my own name for it. I mean, because I do think we actually fragment from our um <laughs> our higher self, our core self, our authentic self. Call it, everyone's got their own name for it. Spirit, heart, mm-hmm. love, whatever. But but it is uh, a real split, um, and it has a look, it has a feel, it has a, uh, you know, but it's anything but, but being animated, you know, when we're just talking and comfortable, you notice how you, you feel animated and you, you know, you, everything's moving and you know, things just, you know, as an actor, right, when you're present and you're really in it, things flow and yeah. you're something from somewhere else is just kind of taking over and you're just kind of the instrument that's being used. It's the same thing. But when we're. When we're scared or nervous, the first thing is the breath, you know, usually we constrict and shut the diaphragm. We get tight and tense in our muscles. So the body literally loses its animation. Like we deaden the body. We we lower our charge is what I call it. And so that's why we do breathing. Breathing starts to build a charge in the body. Start feeling circulation. The, the stuck energy begins to open and release. And I work with a lot of actors, so and a lot of this work has really helped them um, be more present in their work as an actor, whether it's going on stage or being on film. Um, in learning what that you know how learn, learning to know when they're not present, and then how to come back to present. That makes sense?
0: uh, Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So, and for me, it has become a practice. Mm -hmm. I have to practice on a regular basis Mm. being in that place and, and also integrating certain techniques into my life, like meditation, like breath work, um, and like exercise and, and them combined Mm -hmm. and also combined with language and movement so that I can add all those pieces up and then put it into a place where we're in the moment. Yeah. Uh, it's it's fun to be in that place. It's really fun. <laughs> it's <laughs> uh, really fun. I like trying to do uh, that more and more in my daily life. Yeah. And it's not an easy thing for me. I have a very loud brain, as mm-hmm. many of us do. Mm-hmm. I think that...
1: I think as, that's common. Yeah, as a population, Absolutely. I think that our brains
0: are getting louder and louder just because of the amount of information that's coming at us all the time. Right. Um, but I also have noticed that and we talk about it a lot on this show and the people that I've, the few people that I've had on the show thus thus far have all talked about some sort of mindfulness mm, practice. That's
1: good. That's nice to hear.
0: Yeah. Uh, whatever it yeah. is, whether mm-hmm. it's some sort of meditation, I think it's, more prevalent because of the uh, new applications that have come out, like Headspace and others. It's just That's m- so great. It's just more for the, in- for the
1: layperson that has never meditated. That doesn't so I love it because I think it's really wonderful. It's well, more I think available it's to mainstream,
0: extremely important. Mm-hmm. Uh, for I know it is for my health and well being, it's yep. something that I've had to incorporate over the past 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, that has been exceedingly helpful and and also (laughs) believe it or not the the more podcasts that i listen to the ones that i'm just gravitate towards are people that talk about this type of work right you know there's a i've talked about sam harris many times and a lot of people that is are in his circles there's this they call them the uh, the intellectual dark web. There's four or five mm. really big podcasters right now mm. who talk about a variety of things. They're on the different spectrums politically, but they all have this mindfulness thing mm-hmm. uh, that has become a, a very prevalent part of their life and gives them the ability to quiet the mind enough so that they can know more.
1: Yeah. Know themselves more. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. Sometimes I, yes. I, I can't learn. Mm-hmm. Because I have so much noise, or there's, yeah. there's too much output, yeah. and not enough. Uh, there's not enough bandwidth in, in yeah. <laughs> like in my in my cable line or in like the water hose yeah. of my of my consciousness. Mm-hmm. There's always stuff going out, yeah. or there's too much coming in, and mm-hmm. so there's not enough room mm-hmm. for anything else or anything really important or relevant. So anyway, mindfulness helps helps with that a lot. Yes, absolutely. So you, you've incorporated not only breath work but. I just wanted to expand on this just a little bit more about sure. how you incorporate movement and body work right. mm-hmm. into being able to identify some trauma or some stress that's mm-hmm. going on within the people that you work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and mindfulness. I, and, I, I I'd say that's how what mind, body, what is your spirit. definition of mindfulness?
1: Um Ooh, my, well, uh, let's see. Well, how, how, Def, do you, how do you know it? I, that's good. A definition or what, you know, how do I know it? Mindfulness to me is simply what we're talking about now is learning how to get completely present. And that means um, turning the volume down on that um, voice that we all, the mind chatter, monkey mind, you know, ego mind, whatever. Um, and learning how to sort of turn the volume up on that kind of more still quiet voice, which is the one I like to try to make my decisions from. I I believe like our ego mind is usually the thing that speaks loudest and first. So, um, when I'm really trying to make a decision about something or, um, this might sound weird, but instead of just going over it and over it and thinking about it, I try to not think about it. So, and that means sometimes just getting quiet and getting still And then some people ask me, yeah, but when I get still, my mind's like, you know, da, da, da. And I think it's like anything, the more you practice, the better you get. And so for me, I've tried meditation for many years and always struggled because I do have an enormously active brain. And when I was introduced to TM um, about 10 years ago, I think, um, that was the thing that finally helped me actually be able to you know i don't know if you know tm or yeah, are familiar with it. Meditation. yeah mm-hmm. um for me it was a lot more relaxed than formal i'd studied buddhism and i've come from, i have a really strong yoga background and so just focusing on breath or um you know it it was all made my mind more active and i found it impossible but tm for some reason was um for me the the thing that allowed me to start to meditate. So I don't know if I, sorry, long, long answer, but back to the question is mindfulness. Well, it
0: it was kind of a tough question. So I apologize. It's it's kind of a big definition. And there are a lot of people that would describe mindfulness in in a lot of different ways. Some people would just say Mm -hmm. mindfulness is just being courteous to someone when they're opening the door. I'm mindful of that other person. And that could be true. That could be
1: true too. I think it includes a lot. But that being said, that goes back to the same thing is even that is if we are, really paying attention and that means to our little voice, not the chatter, then you know what to do and what to say. And you are guided from something that, again, that's much higher than our intellect. And so, um, I do think even that opening the door, maybe when you see someone struggling, it's, it's what you would do in your highest, best self. So I do think that, that, is absolutely essential. Yeah. Um, and then it can come down to something really major um, but being mindful is when we reside in that still small place, or I should say large place <laughs> there, there.
0: Yeah. It's, it's much larger than, uh, I realized until yeah. I started practicing. Yeah. Meditation mm-hmm. and, and quieting the mind and, mm-hmm. and integrating some techniques into my life, which just tried to, separate myself from that chatter voice you know i mean i have right. had to come to realize that my thoughts feelings and emotions are not who i am right. necessarily yeah. i'm very separate from my thoughts mm-hmm. feelings and emotions mm-hmm. they can inform my actions but they're not necessarily who i am who you are. I, I have to you know sort of equate me as a person in in what i do and how i behave mm-hmm. the, the actions that i take and uh once i once i got that concept mm-hmm. i started to be able to quiet my mind a little bit, but it took me to understand that I'm separate from my thoughts Right, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. You know, I can, I can sit back and look at my thoughts. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, who's that guy looking right. at your thoughts. Yeah, And then there's another guy even behind that guy who's knowing that they're, that guy's there. That guy's there. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's So cool. Yeah. So it's like the ego, the superego, the id, whatever, all of those layers yeah. of consciousness. Mm-hmm. But once I was able to sort of separate myself and, and, Watch those things happening, like watch those voices, listen to those mm-hmm. voices, hear those images, or hear see those images and hear those voices yeah. in my mind, and realize that I was separate from them. It started to begin my process yes, of being that's able great. To, of to mm-hmm. being able to to quiet and to be in the moment, mm-hmm. to to be,
1: or maybe to not pay so much attention or give those thoughts and feelings so much wait because you realize wow those are just passing thoughts and feelings they really aren't who i am or who i want to be they just are and so we can learn through meditation just to watch and be more of a witness and i think it helps us learn to be less reactive to our thoughts um instead of being so um like a victim of circumstance otherwise you're just you know a walking me, mess, you know. Yeah, yeah,
0: man. I mean, for me, it's a form of self torture in a way because I can I can get upset about something mm-hmm. and carry that around with me for quite a long time, right? And then I have to realize that in that moment that I'm upset, nobody's doing anything to me. You are. I'm you doing are, stuff yes. to me. Good. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, and I love it. Uh, it's it's a form of. Self-torture. Self-torture. It really yeah. is. It's because uh, I can, I can also. But do, in that
1: same breath, you are the very person that can simply free yourself from that. No too. question about it. So I have to realize when, when,
0: when I realize that yeah. I'm self-torturing, it takes 50% of it away. Yes. And then I can shake off the rest of it yeah. a, a, as a process of like realizing I'm the one who's doing this. Right. right here, right now, that person is not in the room. That person is not talking to me. Right. I'm carrying Yeah, that you're around. just
1: carrying it over by repeating it in your mind yeah. and going over it and
0: it's another thing I that I had that. to realize too, and I'll ask you now that I have a, a licensed therapist Ooh. sitting across from me so <laughs> I get a free session. Um there was I, I had to realize I had done some therapy and I've had to do some work on myself because I was carrying mm. around some things from my past and I, I came to the realization, and I've asked other people about this, that there are versions of me that are alive inside of me that are all kinds of ages. There's like the five-year-old me. There's like the the, the 15-year-old dude. There's the 20-year-old guy. Mm -hmm. And those guys have had experiences. Mm -hmm. And those experiences are still at play in my behavior today. Those guys experienced things, did things, Mm -hmm. acted on things, thought certain ways that are still in some ways informing the guy that I am now. Mm -hmm. And I've gotten better through some of the things that we've talked about at identifying the fact that that's kind of old behavior, old thinking. And I get to be the guy that shows those guys. Maybe it's not necessary. It's okay not to be them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find I mean oh, is that a yeah. good way to describe that? I think I that's mean-
1: great. I think that's great. I think you know there's probably a lot of coping skills you learned that maybe are beneficial that you still use hopefully I and hope then so. there there are ones that maybe you now realize wow these are not really healthy and I probably could learn some different and like you said it's now you sort of choosing each time once you become conscious of it Um, And I think once you become conscious, then you get to decide, do I need to keep doing that? Do I want to? Is that really helping me or is it hurting me at this stage?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's... Uh, being able to identify those types of things has been very valuable it 's like admitting there 's something there is half the problem you know it 's right. like um, I can see my behaviors being informed by things that may or not may or may not be healthy mm-hmm. and so knowing that i don 't necessarily have to behave in that way or make those things give those things power in my life so that mm-hmm. I feel a certain way has become very valuable mm-hmm. um, so listen, tell me a little bit about. The book and how you decided to write it. Um, the book is called Transformational CPR. It's a few years old now.
1: It is a couple of years old. Yeah. And how did you come up
0: with the title, Transformational CPR?
1: Um, I came up with the title um, at the age of three. My brother and I were playing in the backyard as usual. He was like my best friend. Um, and um, I, got, he, I got thrown in the pool. My mother was having this dinner party. Um, and I didn't know how to swim yet. So, um, quickly my mother came running out cause she heard a lot of, you know, noise in the backyard and she was all made up and done up. Anyway, she dove in the pool and, um, I sunk very quickly. I didn't have a lot of body fat.
0: That's <laughs> like, you, you still don't have a lot of body <laughs> fat, my straight, friend. Straight
1: down to the bottom. So, um, I can laugh about this now, you know, it's like a very fading memory. I have very tiny memories of it, but, um, my thank you to my mother for giving me life a second time. Um, literally had to, cause I went unconscious pretty quickly. I ran out of air and I had forgotten about talk about trauma. And this is what happens for a lot of us is we actually forget. And I forgot that ever happened for 20 some odd years. And, um, I met a woman who asked me to be on her radio show And, um, she, uh, gave me three questions to answer and she wanted me to prepare and have, you know, she just, you know, gave me the questions ahead of time. And so, um, I definitely went into meditation to exam, you know, I was struggling with one of the questions and um, in one of my meditations, I know this sounds very kitschy, but it's really the it truth. It sounds woo woo. Some people would call y- it woo woo. You know, but I did have um, a light bulb went off and I realized something I had written a while back. I just was something told me get that out. It's something I wrote one night, like inspired and full moon. I like ran home cause I had to get on my computer and I was writing, writing, writing. And then it sat on my computer for a couple of years. And so during this meditation, something kind of light bulb went off some connection and I went and I opened this document that I'd written and, um, I realized, Oh my God, I have to continue writing this. And that was the seed of the book. Um, which was a very early draft and it was eight months of literally just stream of consciousness. I didn't know really what it was going to become or if it was going to become, but at the end of eight months, um, I went back and was like, wow, you know, um, I've got something here. This needs to, so then I had to go back and do the hard work of like kind of finding a structure and, you know, putting it into some kind of format, so, and so
0: the title came from that CPR that you got when you. Yeah, had a job. the title
1: came later when I was like trying to come up with a title after structuring the book, and I just realized that. And I was like, "What? This is the work I'm doing with client with people." Every, so you had the...
0: already become a therapist at this point. Yes. When you started oh yeah. Writing the book. Oh yeah. Already You'd...
1: became a therapist. It was um, kind of early on in my because I remember it was. Yeah I hadn't been a therapist for that long. I mean you go through like school and then you have to go through hours of getting licensed and then studying and then but I don't think I'd been licensed for that long.
0: So what's the overall crux of the book? If you could summarize it or what what is what do you think that the main goal of the book is now?
1: The main goal was a lot of what we're talking about really, but um I think A lot of it is got a lot of my own personal stories of what led me to sort of wake, what I call waking up, you know, literally waking up to consciousness, um, and becoming more of a conscious person, um, and learning how to not react to all that outer chatter mind so much, um, how to, um, address feelings and, you know, anxiety was a lot for me. It was, you know, like not knowing what that was, but knowing there were some uncomfortable feelings and I didn't know what to do with them, you know, so let's just put them aside. Um, But I think after years of doing that and those things piling up and then a number of things happening that finally kind of made me, um, you know, I got pneumonia, so I'm laying in bed and basically it was sort of like, okay, you are going to be dealing with this right here and now, because now you can't run and hide and, and keep working out and just keep going, you know? So at one point, I guess it's like too tired to keep running and too scared to stop. And in that place of like a, a sort of a crisis, I don't know if you call it a midlife crisis, <laughs> early life crisis. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm grateful to that because I do feel like, wow. So it, was,
0: it was really a, a self-discovery process yes, that turned into like what you call this like subtitle is like a guide Mm -hmm. For others to maybe learn from what you've experienced and and awaken their own heart.
1: And to not be so scared, because I think that's what keeps, again, the body from being fully present and mobile and animated, again, is when we're closed off. And, you know, if we're not really addressing our feelings, we're not really living fully. Yeah. And I think that's... Most
0: human beings are governed by fear. Mm Mm-hmm period (laughs) period (laughs) period i'm I'm afraid of this i'm afraid of that relationships not making enough this or that it doesn't matter not going for the,
1: the the dream i'm afraid to fail i'm afraid to succeed all of them i'm afraid i'm not good enough
0: yeah all of them and those for me anyway those things were inserted programming at a very young age And I didn't fully realize it until I started doing the work that you and I were talking about. And that's really centered around my mother and the fact that my father left when I was young and these preconceived ideas of how much I could accomplish or what I couldn't do, what I could do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I see it over and over again in people that I talk to about how limiting beliefs are based Mm -hmm. on fear. And that's why people are unsatisfied mm-hmm. in, in whatever aspect of their life mm-hmm. that it is. So uh, addressing any fears that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love that phrase that you used, leaning into it. Yeah. You know, because for me, leaning into those things has been transformational. Yes. You know, it, it's been something that's very changed my life profoundly. Um, and I, I've said this to people that I talk to a lot, which is that um, if I have a fear of something, that's usually a compass pointing yes. the direction that I'm supposed to be going, yes. Not, yes. not something that I'm supposed to be running away from.
1: I would say that's so fantastic. I love that you said that.
0: Yeah. It's like a guiding it's, light for me. If I'm afraid of something, uh, that's what I have to that's do. That's
1: exactly what you have to do.
0: There's no question about it. Right. For, and it, it's just, it's something that has helped build self-esteem yes. in me. Mm-hmm. Uh You know, because then I can realize hey, I can walk through fears. I can lean into the things that make me feel uncomfortable and not run, Mm -hmm. hide. I, I, it's very freeing, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely I mean, I used freeing. to have this, I used to call it like the ostrich syndrome where I would just, I really think that it's comfortable to put my head in the ground. Yeah. You know, this is great. I love it in here. I this is it. perfect for me. Yeah. It's cold. I mean, it's warm and comfy and I don't have to see anyone and no one can see me. <laughs> great place <laughs> I'm, to hide out. And I'm totally fine in here. Uh, but at but, the same time, yeah. you know. Moving towards things that make me feel uncomfortable has been great for me, yeah. and the more I do it, the more is revealed. Like the more, the more things I know that I'm afraid of, mm-hmm. and it goes deeper and deeper. It
1: keeps going deeper, and I think that's part of the human yeah. evolution. You know, yeah. we just keep evolving.
0: I hope so. Yeah, there's a lot of people that don't. That that are just like governed by their fears and they're going to stay in that fear and that's it. And and then they are just not moving. They're not growing. Mm -hmm. Wow. So how long have you had your practice now?
1: Um, 2003 is when I opened my practice. So I I have, you know, in Santa Monica here and then I now see um, a fair amount of people over Skype, believe it or not. Yeah. So I do get to see people all over the world.
0: That's amazing. Which is
1: fun. Yeah.
0: So you can sign up for a Skype consultation. Absolutely, it's fantastic. You yes. know, more and more doctors are doing that now too. There's there's yeah. applications that are about to be released where you can have you know talk to a doctor about symptoms and they can even prescribe I know. medicines. And Telemedicine, all it's great. It's
1: fantastic.
0: <laughs> it's the way it should be.
1: Yeah, I think more and more things now are moving you know online. And
0: I would uh, hope so. Yeah. Well, so. it's just the convenience factor, and also takes the cost away. You know, you can find other ways to make money rather than uh, bankrupting people.
1: And doing from, webinars, and you know, instead of live seminars, which yeah. I was doing quite a bit, and I'm, I'm gonna start doing more things online, just because I think it's an easier way to reach more people. Yeah, and yeah, mm-hmm. you
0: definitely reach more people that yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something to be said for being in person, though. You know, having mm-hmm. human contact.
1: I'm big with on people. That.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: I am very big on that. I
0: can tell by your hugs.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> I give good hugs. Yes, you do.
0: <laughs> Human contact is very, very important. It is. Without a doubt. So your practice is going well? It's going well. Do you have an overall thing that people are dealing with nowadays that you find is very common? I mean, besides just relationship or family things, is there something that people are really worried about these days?
1: I I think a lot of people coming in with um, anxiety just about life and, you know, things, where things are right now.
0: Do you just immediately prescribe medication?
1: Never, <laughs> <laughs> never, um, never. No, I don't. I'm first of all, I'm not a psychiatrist. So I'm not mm-hmm. actually qualified to do that. But I, you know, I mean, I'm a much more ho- a holistic um, practitioner. So. Um, That is definitely not my bent. Um, I'm not like against it. I think if somebody needs it, I certainly wouldn't stand in their way. I have a psychiatrist I refer people to who really, really strongly feel they need medication for a short time. But it's really meant to get people motivated and up enough to be able to do some therapy to work through some things. Um, So it's really used as a transition
0: It's a lot harder to address things in that way. At least it's perceived to be, I think. I have been exposed to people in my family and friends who have been told or have it's been suggested Mm -hmm. that they try mindfulness techniques Mm -hmm. or just get out and get some damn exercise. Right. And you might feel better. Yeah. uh, And they want a pill. They want a quick fix Mm -hmm. or they want something to, what can you prescribe so that I can just sit here and so... So uh, I don't have to make
1: any changes or or, or take a look at myself. Or or work at it.
0: Yeah. You know, we talked about practice.
1: I think, you know, what's interesting is I find some people come in um, in that fearful state, like they're um, uh, terrified about what might happen, what might be uncovered. But very quickly, like even in the first session, um, you know, by the end of the session, I, I just had this experience recently, there's this enormous sense of relief. So it's quite the opposite. You know, I think people come in with all the fear of what's going to happen and, you know, am I going to feel worse? But actually you begin to feel better, I think, anytime you shine the light. You know, it's really just bringing our stuff to the light to suddenly... And I think we we walk around with this veil of fear that we think Keeping it down is what makes us feel better. And it's so the opposite. If I could say anything today that anybody hears that just to, you know, take that in as a possibility is that once you begin to take your, um, stuff that you've been hiding or the things you're most afraid of, again, you know, bringing it up to the surface to be healed, you immediately start to feel better immediately. The minute you just talk about it, it's like, ah, it's just, again, you know, the opposite of what so a lot of people So pushing it think. down,
0: the longer you do that, the more effect, a negative effect it has on you. Oh, sure. And the instant we begin to address something, you see some immediate a relief. A relief of
1: symptoms, yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I remember um, I was talking to a friend of mine, and I sort of related this idea to... Um, That's a garage door From my neighbor Bouts downstairs What is that Earthquake (laughs) That's John He's taking out the garbage And downstairs uh, Underneath my studio Um, Anyway It reminds me of When I was a kid I used to Whatever was in the closet Used to scare me Right Because it was dark in there It was dark And I was like I didn't know what was in there and here's the garage door closing but i didn't know what was in there and then as soon as you turn the light on you realize it was a there was sock nothing there. or it was a sock oh. or something completely not threatening benign yeah right. there was there was no reason to be afraid mm. once you turn the yeah. light on it so like literally and metaphorically mm-hmm. once we shine the light on these types of things the fear goes away i have a
1: chapter in my book about The monster, uh, monster in the dark of like, I had that same thing. I was so terrified to get up and turn on the light because I swore there was this like creepy thing in the corner waiting. So even if I had to pee, I would sit there and not go because I was terrified um, and I remember just having that moment of courage of, just like I couldn't stand it anymore. Turn on the light, and there was nothing there. It was just a complete figment of my imagination.
0: Over and over and over again, I've heard people talk about the fact that they don't want to be uncomfortable. They don't want to revisit those times. It's better not to because Why I open don't, a can of worms. Yeah, you know and saying? I don't want to yeah. pick that scar. Right but the scar
1: is what's making them feel miserable. Yeah, or that
0: scab's not healing. Right. In order to get rid of it, we have to address it. Yeah. It's it's not healed. It's something that I carry around with me. And I you know, it's it's been fascinating. I'm so glad that we had this discussion. I mean, we don't we haven't had an opportunity to sit and talk like for this long forever. Um and we're so similar in the way that we approach uh, our lives. I just want to reiterate how important it has been for me to have these types of conversations, and I want to do it more with you um, because there's more to be revealed. The more that we talk about yes. these types of things, yeah. I mean, I found this to be true in my own life. You know, mm-hmm. I'll address one or two things, and then that'll shine the light on something, on something else. else. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's kind of like hiking up a mountain. It seems impossible until you start, yeah. and you then you get to a place. Take the first step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you get to a place and you can see the rest of the path and then you're like, oh, I can get to that point. Mm-hmm. And then a whole other part of the path opens yeah. up. And that's the kind of experience that I've had with self-discovery, yeah. you know, and it's like mm-hmm. more and more things are revealed. It kind of seems like it's never ending.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, and I do think the, the the self-discovery piece is great because the more you, it becomes an experience rather than a concept. If you know what I mean, you know, just by sitting and meditating, for example, or for anyone who plays an instrument or, or if you're behind a camera or, you know, it it can come in many forms. It doesn't have to just be sitting on the cushion, you know, but I think that's the daily practice that helps us take that through the rest of the day and through, you know, Yeah. but, but that, that experience of what it feels like when the mind just stills for a moment. A lot of people know this after the end of a yoga class, when we're in Shavasana and suddenly you go, wow, my mind's so quiet because you just did breathing and movement for an hour and a half. And so like you've worked out all that stress out of the body and your mind is quiet because you've just been breathing and you've been focused on the, you know, the pain you're in in each posture. (laughs) But, but you know, you, you get an experience of, just being Hmm. and you know that's doesn't exist in our culture everything's about doing we got to go 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 do 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 you
0: know yeah i think a lot of people get that in church i think that there are people that go Mm -hmm. and sing gospel together in a room and they have
1: in in all of these you can get it surfing on a wave sure uh, it's
0: and i like what you said about having an experience it's it's mm -hmm. all experiential Mm -hmm. you know um people's relationship with their spirit life is experiential it's mm-hmm. extremely personal mm-hmm. so it can only be done it can only be you can only take action you can only just do it in order to have these by experiences being, by being by being there in the moment you know there was a lot of times in my life where i just didn't like being in the moment you know i was like always trying to find a way to get out of being of in being the moment out
1: of exactly which is what kind of got me on this path was that exact feeling yeah. of yeah And, um, I think, you know, this, one of my teachers said to me, um, just stop and invite the feelings, which is not anything we would ever practically or rationally do. It's like, why would I want to do that? I just want to get away from these feelings. But, um, I think that the moment I really, again, had that courage to actually just lean in to, these feelings I was afraid of um, was the moment for me that I felt like I had this awakening.
0: What were your scariest feelings?
1: I think I had a lot of layers of anxiety from not feeling years of things that have happened, just breakups in relationships, um, disappointments in life, um, after a series of those and just not really knowing how to process those, but just like stay busy. Keep moving, keep going, keep doing. So the invitation to stop and just be with what I was feeling. I was so afraid that all those feelings were going to come back and like, you know, grab me and take me down in this deep, dark hole that I could never get out of. But what I found that was so fascinating was I felt some uncomfortableness briefly, but the more I stayed with that, and didn't run from it, and just sat with that in the presence of my teacher, it's like I went through it. I got to the other side, which was more experience of real self, not feelings or thoughts. It was beyond, you know, yeah, we're talking about this, and it's the hardest thing in the world to talk about, because it isn't sort of, uh, the minute you talk about it, it, it's, it's, it's so elusive it's again the the experience but what i felt was joy after i felt this discomfort and you know but when i really leaned into it i just went into it um what came the other side i started i broke out in laughter in front of a room of like thousands of people and i still have it on tape and i will always keep it because whenever i have yeah no um audio audio. back then there wasn't video (laughs) We had an audio, I have a a cassette tape. Oh my goodness. A cassette tape, yes. So, but you can hear it in the room of like the, what happened. It was this amazing, I felt like everybody woke up with me, like had the experience with me because they were watching me kind of go through this and it was, it was such an awesome, but, but once you have that experience once, I feel like you can never go back to that just complete ignorance because you know that exists. So now every time a feeling comes up, there's that temptation to run, because that was the old way. But it was like, now I know something else now. But I still find I have to do things consistently, pretty much every day, to keep reminding myself, because I get caught up in all the drama and the stuff coming at us and the craziness in the white house and everywhere, you know? And I think if I stop doing my work, even a couple of days, I start to notice, I feel, start to feel a little funky, a little disconnected. So I do find like, it's something we have to do every day. Even if it's only five minutes, I tell people, I know that sounds like nothing, but it's better than not just to do the check-in daily because, you know, it's, it's just like every day you get in the shower, you've got to wash off the gunk from yesterday Um, and reconnect. So,
0: well, it's, it's great to hear you describe that Mm -hmm. because 100% rings true with me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I cannot not (laughs) practice mindfulness now that I've gone down the path (laughs) Yeah, because I know the comfort and connected place that I feel when I do it.
1: And you know the discomfort when you don't when you do don't it.
0: you don't do it, it's that's blatantly apparent. <laughs> right. It's like, oh my gosh, I haven't like sat and been quiet for a week. Right. And now I'm wondering why I feel like crap. Yeah. Like physically, mm-hmm. sick. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. only spiritually yes. or even physically, but, yes. but like my stomach doesn't feel well or I have headache mm-hmm. or whatever it mm-hmm. is. And it's immediately alleviated by taking five to 20 minutes of quiet time and, and practicing a a meditation or mindfulness Mm -hmm. technique. It's like going to the gym. It's like a workout whatever it is. It has to be maintained and it has to be a practice like like a doctor or a lawyer. You know, you got to stay on top of this stuff or you get weak.
1: You do, you, you, you fall asleep, you go unconscious again, again, you know, it's like a constant reminder to wake up, to perform your own CPR.
0: When I first moved to Venice, I had this roommate named Vince, And he was, this was a long time ago, and he was very much into all the things we're talking about. And he said, be careful when you go down this path, man, because how awake do you want to be? You know, in in some ways, the amount we can discover that the material world is meaningless, Mm -hmm. the things that we, (laughs) that I concern myself with, like material gains or money or things or Whatever, Mm -hmm. just it becomes more and more meaningless when I discover the value of mindfulness, connection, being in the moment, those types of things. It's just fascinating stuff. And uh, I wish more of us would do it, especially in this country. You know, you can see people walking around in their bubbles, you know, just asleep.
1: Or again, getting so consumed with the unreal and completely ignoring the real it's yeah. <laughs> just what you were just describing, you know, Yeah. and the more you do that work and the more, um, sort of, I, the word detached has kind of a mixed meaning there. Cause I don't mean it as become desensitized or not care about anything, but when you don't give it so much weight and you don't let your peace of mind or state of mind be so affected by what's going on around you and the dramas out here outside. Cause I think once you really get that anchor, it doesn't sway your peace of mind, what's going on out here, because you realize it isn't really real. It's part of the drama of life. Yes, it's real, but it isn't
0: real. You know what I'm saying? I I do. I do. I mean, it was kind of like what we went, what we talked about before, which is those things don't necessarily have to affect my state of mind. Um, They're just the way that I'm perceiving it in that day. Sometimes, sometimes the same thing can happen to me. And it will affect me in completely different ways. On a different day. Uh, Without a doubt. Like, for example, I won't get an audition or I won't have something turn out the way that I want it to turn out. And one day I'm like, whatever, I'm going to the beach anyway, or or I'm fine because I've meditated and I'm just in this um, more calm, relaxed state of mind. Whereas other times I'm agitated and something like that piles on top of it. And then all of a sudden I'm off the rails. Yeah. (laughs) I'm, yeah, I'm nowhere spiritual, as they say. It's like, I re- I love how people walk around, especially in Venice, like, I'm really spiritual, spiritual. today because <laughs> I didn't use that plastic straw. It's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> but it's... It, it, very valuable stuff. Really very, is. very valuable. Yeah. And I'm glad more and more people are having conversations like this and are practicing these types of principles mm-hmm. in their lives. So what's next for you? Are you going to write another book or are you just going to wait until you're inspired again or what's going to happen? Good
1: question. To be honest with you, at this point, I am doing a lot of writing. It's not necessarily a book, but I think a book may come out of it. But uh, I'm doing a lot more um, speaking at the moment. So when I'm not in the practice and... Writing is an interesting thing, as you know. I, I think you do some
0: writing. Yeah, a little bit. It's right. just, I cannot write with the goal of finishing something. Like, it's like, I can't write a book or like. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's hard. And because. Uh, it, I've come to the conclusion that if I live in the results of something, that it becomes much more difficult for me because I'm already envisioning the end of the path. Yeah. I just kind of have to go down the path and do the things that I love to do. And then when something happens, oh, it's like, I can see the completion of yeah. this. And then I run to that completion. But it's, it's kind of like with this podcast. I didn't know what it was going to be. I still don't really know what it's evolving into. I think it's great it you're seems, doing this. It seems to And I'm really to
1: glad to be here. This well, me too. Fun.
0: Well, thank you. It's very, very good to have you here. But it seems to be that many of the conversations that I've had so far have been around space spirituality, yeah. mindfulness, yeah. meditation, what it means to be a human being nowadays, mm-hmm. um, what we strive to be, those types of things yeah. and it seems to all be grounded in this idea of let 's do what we love let 's yeah. be in the moment yeah. let 's connect more yes. with human beings, that type of thing and I hope that I hope that that continues, so we don 't know what 's happening with the book you 're doing, doing a lot of writing i 'm
1: um, doing a lot of writing I just wrote an article for a magazine, so i 'm doing that you know but i 'm right now i 'm writing um, a, 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 some talks that i'm you know so uh but i think those talks like a, like can a be, ted
0: talk type of thing
1: could be could, could be, be maybe, maybe, maybe never that know. would be nice it'd be great I, I, i'm a big fan of ted talks i i've seen quite a few that i think are fabulous um but i i enjoy speaking a lot it's mm. really fun have to play done, off an you, audience and
0: have you seen or done any uh storytelling shows
1: Not exactly storytelling. It's a pretty
0: big community in Los Angeles. Um, It's kind of like TED, except it's more like the Moth out of New York. Uh Uh, Moth Storytelling is a pretty big organization, and they have competitions and things like that. But there's another one in Santa Monica that I did... Isabel's story, she does on Wednesday, like the last Wednesday of every month at the Santa Monica Playhouse, she does a storytelling event and there are people that just come out and tell stories based on themes that she That's creates. Great. And I, I, did, I did one last year. Oh, you year. do a
1: spontaneous? Uh, well, no, you have or... to
0: um, submit your story. Oh, great. And then she'll approve it mm-hmm. and then you can go up and then they, people just take turns going up to a microphone oh, and telling fun. their story. Fun. And, uh, it's really fascinating, you know. I would and like storytelling know that. is the basis of everything we.
1: It sure is. We're in a storytelling are. culture. It says <laughs> everything's about a story. Say another <laughs> quick
0: story, but I, I'll, <laughs> I'll show you the YouTube one of I the one that I did. If you ever want to see it, it's a, a storytelling with Ron Garan. You'll find it. It's about tuna casserole. Anyway, <laughs> but. Um, that same acting teacher, Mark Epstein, was talking about how everything is about language and storytelling, yes. especially in acting or anything that mm-hmm. we do. Everything, the most valuable thing we have is storytelling and language. And mm-hmm. many years ago, one person got up on a rock or a stump, like they call it a stump speech for a reason, because somebody stood up one day and told a story and realized that they could influence people, that they could capture their attention. And that's what we do. That's the most valuable thing we do. Period. Period. Oh. <laughs> I like that. Period. <laughs> We've period, got two gone. periods now yeah, that too, and they, what was the other
1: the fear thing yeah is oh, that yeah, people yeah. Are,
0: yeah based on fear yeah, most most things are so anyway that might be something that you might be interested I, in i'm doing thank you yeah I, write write those talks i'm going to i want to hear them okay all right good my erasic the book is called transformational cpr should we find you anywhere else online
1: um is my website where you can see you know things that are up and coming um it's m-a-y-a-r-a-s-a-k uh, dot com and so I post a lot of videos and things I'm doing. Um if I'm gonna it is do
0: mostly on the website? Do you have a YouTube channel? Um I do
1: have a YouTube channel, so best thing is just, you know Search for you. Yeah, I've got things out there. Social media. If you're
0: listening, it. tune into my erratic. Listen to what she has to say. It's valuable. And check out the book, Transformational CPR. Maya, it's so cool to have you here. And I think that we need to have you be a re- reoccurring guest. Yay! Because I, I need you in it. my life more. Yay!
1: Good. <laughs> I feel the same. Thank you, Ron.
0: Thank you so much again to Maya Rasic for taking the time to speak with us today. I really enjoyed having her here. And I hope you enjoyed listening. Now, before we go, I just want to remind you once again that... If you have anything that you want to talk about, if you have any feedback whatsoever, if you have any questions or any products that you want to talk about or anything that's interesting going on in your life that you'd like to talk about, please shoot me an email at, ron at VeniceVoice.com. You can also follow me on my socials at the Venice Voice Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and also on Facebook. You can also follow my personal Instagram at stomatic thank you so much again for listening and join us again next week when I will have another interesting guest from this little corner of the planet called Venice, California. Until then, much love and we'll see you next time.